0: If you're looking for another surprising investigation into the criminal justice system, check out Bear Brook from New Hampshire Public Radio, hosted by me, Jason Moon. Bear Brook is back with an update on our second season. Jason Carroll is serving life in prison for a murder he says he did not commit. Now, the biggest development in the case in 35 years could lead us one step closer to the truth. Listen to the complete second season of Bear Brook, now available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is a CBC Podcast. All I do know is that nobody was ever charged.
2: Alberta didn't just go missing. She didn't just go missing and she didn't just walk away.
3: She knew the person, she trusted the person. Do you still feel like people are afraid?
1: Probably, you know, it's been really hard because some of our immediate family members were a person of interest and suspects in uh, being involved with Alberta that night.
3: Were you afraid to go to the police? Yeah, I just had to be quiet.
1: And I was like, oh my God, what have I done here?
3: We really just want to get your side of the story. We're doing the story about Alberta, and we really want to hear from you about her last night. Can you tell us anything about it? Was she at your house? I'm Connie Walker, and this is Missing and Murdered. Who Killed Alberta Williams? A podcast and CBC News investigation. Everything looked different, in the light of day. I had gone to sleep in Prince Rupert a little spooked, after a late night drive along the Highway of Tears. But the next morning when I stepped into the hotel restaurant and saw the view, my mood lifted immediately. There were floor-to-ceiling windows facing the harbour, and the scene outside looked like a postcard. The sun was shining, the blue water was so calm it looked like glass. There was a big cargo ship called Wisdom anchored in the harbour. And just above the surface of the water was a light mist. A good omen, I'd hoped, because we had a big day ahead. We planned to head toward Terrace and to try to find Amanda. We needed to figure out which of the stories we heard was true, if any of them. According to Amanda's sister Yvonne, The night after she was thought to have disappeared, Alberta had shown up at Amanda's house in Terrace. Amanda said she was with two guys in a black truck. One of the guys was her uncle Jack, and the other man was supposedly a white guy named Ken Collinson, a taxi driver who at the time lived with Alberta's sister, Kathy. The night before, former RCMP officer Gary Kerr sent us an email We had asked him if he had ever talked to Kathy or Ken during his investigation, but in his email he said he had checked his old notebooks and did not find either name. He also attached three photos. They were screen grabs from Google Earth. One was of 2nd Avenue in downtown Prince Rupert, in front of the old Empress Hotel. Gary had written Popeyes in shaky red letters and an arrow to a set of doors facing the street. On the street corner was another arrow, pointing to a spot on the sidewalk that he marked with an X. And above it, it read, Last Seen. It was the spot where Claudia last saw Alberta. The other two photos were of Highway 16, with red arrows marking the turnoff where Alberta's body was found. We left Prince Rupert and headed east on Highway 16. Gary had told us it was exactly 37.6 kilometers from the RCMP detachment to the turnoff, just past an area known as the Ta'i. But despite his directions and the photos, we missed it somehow. We turned around and tried to find it again. The turnoff was almost hidden in the trees, unless you knew to look for it. Gary had told us it was a miracle that Alberta's body was ever found. And it wasn't until I got there that I really understood why. The best thing I can recommend is to find Prince Rupert on Google Earth. Zoom in as far as you can just past the Gamble Creek Ecological Reserve. You'll see a small winding highway threading through what looks like green moss from above. You won't be able to see much from that angle, but you'll get a sense of what it's like from the ground. And just how dense and thick the trees are. We pulled into the turn-off. 20 or 30 feet from the road, there was a small clearing, and then two sets of railway tracks. On the other side, there was more bush, and then the Skeena River behind it. It felt like we were in the middle of nowhere. It was so quiet out there. Nothing or nobody for kilometres in every direction. The only noise was the sound of water, and the occasional car zooming by on the highway. It reminded me of something that Gary had said during one of our interviews.
1: I can't imagine being Albertan. To say it would have been pitch black that night. I mean, there wouldn't have been a, a light on for 20 miles. I think about the only thing you would have heard that night was maybe the odd vehicle traffic. Like, nobody would have ever heard her. There is nobody for miles.
3: We didn't stay there long. It was unsettling to be in that spot. We were anxious to find Amanda. So we got back into our van and headed east. Amanda actually lives on a reserve just outside of Terrace. There aren't streets or house numbers on most reserves so you can't just plug it into your GPS. Yvonne had given us general directions but we still ended up getting lost, like really lost. Hi there, do you know where Amanda lives?
4: Oh, oh, thank thank you. Thanks. I'll turn around in this driveway.
3: What was supposed to be an hour and a half drive took almost three hours. But finally, we pulled up to what we thought was Amanda's house. It's kind of easier. I guess her car's not home, though. Hi. Is Amanda here? Is Amanda here? No, she went up to a uh, funeral. Oh, where was it? It's Cooper. How far is that? An hour oh really? Well, do you know when she'll be back? Oh really?
0: Have a
3: feast okay. I couldn't believe that we'd come all this way. And Amanda wasn't even home. So Amanda's not going to be home till later tonight. Okay.
1: Uh, give her information?
3: Yeah, I spoke to her on the phone a couple of days ago, actually. I'm, my name is Connie Walker. I'm a reporter for CBC. Mm-hmm. We're doing a story about Alberta Williams. And someone told me that Alberta came to see Amanda that night to borrow some money. Oh. Oh,
1: yeah.
3: Were you, were you there then as well? Hi. The man speaking you. is Amanda's husband, Ed. He didn't want to let us film an interview, but he gave us important information. I talked to him for about 20 minutes inside, and then I went back out to fill in Marnie. He doesn't want to do an interview. No. He just doesn't want to do an interview. He said, I said, I'm done with that. But he was there that night and he saw Alberta with Jack and with another white guy. He didn't know who he was, but they needed to borrow 20 bucks to get this guy back to work because he had to drive cab. Ed said that he remembered that day. He had just gotten home from work, when there was a truck parked in the driveway. There were two men in the truck, and then Alberta came out of the house with Amanda. Jack Little was driving, Ed said, and the other passenger was a white guy. He didn't know who he was, but he remembered. He was in a hurry to get back to Prince Rupert for his shift as a taxi driver. Ed says they asked to borrow $20 for gas, After he gave it to them, Ed says the men offered him a sip from the bottle of whiskey they were drinking. Our conversation with Ed was significant for a number of reasons. He gave us a first-hand account of who was in the truck with Alberta. And although he didn't remember the colour of the truck, he was certain that he'd seen Alberta with two, not three, guys in Terrace. But he said we need to talk to Kathy, Alberta's sister. But I was still confused after talking to Ed. When Yvonne told us her version of the story, I assumed that she was talking about seeing Alberta in Terrace after she left the bar that Friday night. But while talking to Ed, he said the group told him they were traveling back to Prince Rupert from Gittenyau, a reserve east of Terrace. It's the same community where Alberta's family was gathering for a party for her grandmother. But the party was held on Saturday, August 26th the day after she supposedly disappeared. If that was true, then Alberta was still alive on the Saturday. We needed to talk to Amanda to piece this all together. Ed said she had gone to a funeral in a community called Gitzegukla, and she wouldn't be home until late that night. We decided to try to find Stella, Amanda's sister. We had heard that Alberta might have stopped by Stella's house before going to Amanda's that same night. No one answered the door at Stella's, so we decided to call Yvonne again. Hello? Hi Yvonne, it's Connie Walker calling again. How's it going?
0: Good.
3: We're actually in front of Stella's house, but she's not home. And we, oh,
0: she's here.
3: Yeah, and we went to Amanda's house, and she's there too, right?
0: Yes. So there was a funeral today for my auntie. There's a feast happening at 5
3: o'clock. Oh, so are you guys all going?
0: Yes, we're all going. to the community hall right next to where we stay.
3: How far are you guys from Terrace? An hour. An hour from Terrace? Okay, so when we went to see Amanda, we talked to Ed for a little bit. Yeah and Ed says that he remembers seeing Alberta that night. So the one thing that I was confused about, Ed said that it was actually around five in the afternoon or six o'clock in the evening.
0: No, no, it was uh, at night. It was raining.
3: Do you remember, I mean, was it the Friday, do you know? Or was it the Saturday?
0: It was same day. Uh, her grandmother had that birthday party in Tidenhow.
3: Oh, so they went to Guinea for the for the birthday, and then on yes. their way back on the Saturday, that's when they stopped in in the evening?
0: Yeah. When she showed up, Alberta came in to use the bathroom. And she wanted, she stood by the door saying she wanted uh, four or twenty dollars.
3: Did you see who was in the truck? Uh,
0: my sister Amanda did.
3: Do you remember if Alberta said who she was with? No. So Ed said that she was with Jack and a white guy who said he was a taxi driver from Prince Rupert.
0: Oh, there you go. It's best you talk to Amanda because she knows about the
3: black truck. I heard some stuff that maybe we should try to talk to Kathy. Oh, uh, might be her husband that was involved
0: with that.
3: Was that the white guy, the taxi driver? Yes,
0: yeah. Amanda knows that guy we're talking about. Amanda knows something because you can go in details with her about that black truck.
3: I do really want to talk to her. Is she going home tonight?
0: Uh, late, I think, 7, 12 o'clock. Wow. It's a traditional feast. Wow. Yeah, it's a big feast.
3: We could potentially come to the feast, but we don't want to interrupt, obviously. Oh, but
0: you can, you can take her
3: outside
0: to interview her if you
3: want. Yeah, that might be the yeah. thing to do.
0: Yeah, you can.
3: Um. And so if we try to come today... W- uh,
0: we'll look out for you. When you come into the hall, you could ask where we're sitting.
3: Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Yvonne. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. So, are we going to go to Gitzluka?
4: Um, I feel like we should because we've come this
3: We got back on the road and headed toward Gitzugukla. I felt badly about interrupting a funeral feast, but we were due to leave Prince Rupert the next day, and we still wanted to track down Ken, the cab driver, and Kathy, Alberta's sister. We got to Kitsugukla late in the afternoon. It's a small community, and we were able to find the school where the feast was being held right away. I felt uncomfortable, a stranger walking into a community feast. I'm Cree, so I'm not familiar with Gitsan traditions. Where I'm from, there's also a traditional feast after a funeral. And before we feast, there are prayers. As I walked into the building, I heard a drum and someone singing what sounded like a traditional song. I waited just outside the gymnasium doors until the song and the prayers were over and people started talking again and walking around. It was packed inside, with rows of tables set up in front of a big pile of food and bags of gifts. I was worried about finding Amanda and Yvonne, but the first person I asked pointed them out to me. Hi Amanda, Amanda. I'm Connie, nice to meet you, very nice to meet you. Can we step outside for a minute? Okay, yeah, thank you very much, thank you. Amanda is a small woman, probably in her late 50s or early 60s, and the first thing I noticed about her is that she seemed very frail. Ed mentioned that she'd been going through some health issues, and he also said her memory wasn't as good as it once was. We left the gymnasium to find a quieter spot for our interview. We had to walk up a bit of an incline, and I held her arm to steady her. I did talk to Ed a little bit. He told me that you saw Alberta that night.
5: Well, that night when she came to the house in the evening before, five or six maybe. It was raining, pouring. So they parked right in the front of the place where I was living, where I used to live anyway, in town.
3: Right in terrace? Mm Mm-hmm.
5: And somebody knocked on the door and I didn't expect to see Alberta.
3: Alberta? Yeah. Yeah.
5: So she she was pretty high and I guess... Was she drinking? Yeah. I had to help her go to the bathroom and that's when she said she was kind of in a rush to pick up her purse or something in Wuppert where she left and she, she came over because she was short with some cash.
3: Was she alone when she came over to see you that day?
5: No, she was with these two, two people and just her in the back of that truck.
3: What did the truck look like?
5: It was a, a black crew cool cap truck.
3: And who were the guys that were with her?
5: I'm pretty sure it looked like uh, the brother-in-law that, that so was driving her. I think Jack Little was driving the truck. Yes, and um, um, but I seen that that guy that was with that driver in Rupert at the time he was driving a cab. At the time when we're no pr- no, he looked familiar to me. Yeah.
3: Was he a white guy? Was he a non native yes, guy? Yes,
5: non native.
3: Yeah. Do you know if he was the same non native guy that was dating Alberta's sister, Kathy?
5: I'm pretty sure that's, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So she left with these two guys?
5: Yeah, and they were in a hurry. I helped her in the truck, and I tried to say, you guys better help her. And they they wouldn't. They just stood in the back of the, in the dark, in the back of the truck.
3: So the next day, you heard from her parents, right? Yes. What did they say?
5: They told me, they told me that, they said, Roberta's mission, they said,
3: I wasn't sure at first if I was mishearing or if I was missing something but throughout our interview it sounded like Amanda said Roberta whenever she talked about Alberta. Said, oh, I said,
5: well they came here last night. It was just her in the, bag of the truck with these two guys.
3: Despite the confusion over her name, Amanda did seem to have some vivid memories about that night.
5: She
3: was shocked she had no jacket on, she left it in the truck. Oh, Alberta. She was too drunk. Oh, and these guys, yeah. I want to interrupt here and point something out. Amanda said she saw Alberta's black leather jacket in the back seat of the truck. That detail will become important later on. But you told her parents at the time that she had been at your house the day before that.
5: Yes, I told, I told Lena that she came, she came by the house.
3: And you told her who she was with, with Jack? Yes, yes. And with the other guy? (laughs) Yes. Did you ever tell the police what you saw?
5: I didn't, I I wouldn't talk to
3: anybody. Were you afraid to go to the police? Yeah, I just had to be quiet. 27 years later, Amanda still seemed frightened to speak about what she saw that night. I walked her back inside so she could sit down, and then we started the three-hour drive back to Prince Rupert. Throughout the day, and really, ever since we found out about her, we've been trying to reach Alberta's sister, Kathy. Now that both Ed and Amanda said they thought it was her boyfriend, who was with Alberta and Jack, it seemed more important than ever to talk to her. We had so many questions for Kathy. Did she and Ken have a black truck? Could he have used it on the Saturday? Did he ever mention driving Jack or Alberta anywhere? We had less than 24 hours to find Kathy and to track down Ken. We asked Claudia and Alberta's aunt Donna to reach out to Kathy on our behalf. The cab driver that Marnie had run into the day before told us that Ken got off work at 11 p.m. When we got back into Prince Rupert, we found an address for him and decided to go have a look. We didn't want to talk to him right then, but we wanted to make sure that when we did, we'd have the right address. At about 10 minutes to 11, our white van pulled onto his street. It was a Saturday night, but it was very quiet on the block. There weren't any lights on at the small two-story house. We didn't park directly in front of it, just a few feet away, but still close enough that we could see the driveway and the side door. We turned off our van and settled in to wait. Just after 11 p.m., a cab pulled up and parked in the little driveway. It looked like we had the right address. A white man got out of the cab and walked toward the front door. And right then... Marnie's phone started ringing. It was so loud, I was sure that the man heard us. I motioned for Marnie to answer the phone just to get the ringing to stop.
4: Uh, Who are you? Oh, hi, this is Marnie from CBC. This is Adrian? No, it's not Adrian, it's Kathy. Kathy! (laughs) Oh, it's so good to hear from you. Thank you for calling.
3: I was so relieved that Kathy was calling, but I couldn't believe the coincidence. She just happened to call the exact time we were outside her ex-boyfriend's house. Kathy didn't want to do an interview, but she agreed to meet us for a coffee the next day. By then the man walked inside, but he didn't turn on any of the lights. Instead, a few seconds later, I saw the living room curtains move, like someone was looking out at us. We left and planned to go back tomorrow to talk to Ken. We went back to our hotel and tried calling Rick Ross, the other RCMP officer who investigated Alberta's murder. Gary had already told us that he couldn't find anything in his notes about Kathy or Ken, but we thought maybe Rick had talked to them.
4: I'm just curious if you ever um, interviewed this person or if he was ever came up in your notes, if you can recall. a uh, Ken Collinson.
6: Ken Collinson. No, I don't think I don't think so because I went all through my notes uh, the morning after you told me there. I didn't see his name at all.
4: While we're going through some names, a couple of others then if we could throw out at you, um, Amanda and or Ed.
6: No, I didn't see their names in my notes.
4: Amanda is her cousin, and then we had heard that Alberta went there in a black pickup truck with Jack and this guy Ken Collinson.
6: Oh, okay. So that was the mysterious pickup truck then, was it? See, 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 that may be surfaced after I worked on the file, end because, no, we had never been able to uh, narrow that down at all, I don't think, when I was working on the file. What
4: what did you hear about the pickup truck? Do you, do you remember anything
6: about it? I think it was described as an older Ford 4x4 or something. I think it was uh, referred to as, like, a late 70s, early 80s uh, Ford 4x4 or something. I don't remember the color that was given on it, but it was very vague. I remember that, and it was a vague description of the guy that was supposedly driving this truck, eh? But now, obviously, somebody has narrowed that all down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody we talked to right away, uh, you know, when they left, mm-hmm. had seen her getting into this truck with this guy or something.
4: Oh, no. Yeah, Amanda is a cousin, but lives in Paris. She- and, and apparently, Alberta went to her house with this guy, Ken Collinson, and with Jack in a black pickup truck the next
6: day. Oh, oh okay. No, see, I didn't know any of that. No, that's all news to me, then.
4: I don't know why it was
3: surprising that Rick hadn't heard this before. Amanda said she was afraid to go to police, so how could Gary or Rick have known to investigate a sighting in Terrace on the Saturday? I wish they had, though. Then they might have been able to get to the bottom of some of the discrepancies we'd heard. Things that were probably even more fuzzy, because it's been 27 years. Both Amanda and Yvonne said they thought Alberta and the two men came by on the Saturday. But how did they know it was the weekend of August 26, 1989? How did they know it wasn't a weekend earlier in the summer? They both pointed to the party in Gittenyau that was held for Alberta's grandmother on the Saturday. They said that Alberta, Jack, and Ken were traveling back to Prince Rupert from Gittenyau. And Amanda says she remembers it was the next day that Alberta's mother, Rena told them Alberta was missing. But here's the thing. Both Amanda and Yvonne said it was raining when Alberta knocked on the door. I asked Ed if it was raining and he said he wasn't sure, but he didn't think so. We checked the historical climate data archive kept by Environment Canada. On August 26, 1989, in Terrace, British Columbia, it was mainly clear. No rain all afternoon or evening. We didn't know what to make of that, but we hoped Kathy could help clarify
4: things.
3: The sun was still shining the next morning when we met Kathy for a coffee. We don't have a recording of our conversation because Kathy only agreed to talk to us without a camera or a microphone. Before she called us back, I wondered why Kathy seemed to be avoiding us. Did she know something? I was so caught up in the drama unfolding and the twists and turns of Alberta's case that I'm ashamed to say I forgot about the most obvious reason pain. Talking about Alberta was incredibly painful for Kathy. It's been 27 years, but her sister's death was still so raw for her. As soon as we were face to face, I completely understood why she wasn't in a hurry to call us back. We sat with Kathy for a long time that morning. She told us about her memories of Alberta, and we talked about that Friday night. We didn't want to push Kathy into doing an on the record interview with us. But just a few weeks ago, after being in touch on and off for months, Kathy agreed to talk to us. Hi Kathy. Hi. How are you doing? I'm okay. Kathy said she'd been listening to our podcast about Alberta's case.
2: You guys are doing a good job. It's just uh, it's just hard to hard to listen to, hard to see you again. But I know we need closure, and we need justice for my sister.
3: It's really hard, I'm sure, to have it all brought up again. Yeah. I asked Kathy what she remembered about the night Alberta disappeared.
2: I stopped by my parents' place there, and I asked my sister if we wanted to have a few drinks, and we could just get something and go to my place, because I was living with a boyfriend at the time. She said she wanted to go downtown, so I went with her downtown. But uh, Before that, she was on the phone. Do you know who she was talking to? She was talking to Jack Little. Okay. And I'm not sure what was uh, the conversation about. All I know is that he was looking for a ride downtown. And he asked if we
3: can pick him up, so we picked him up and went downtown. Kathy uh, says she went to the bar with Jack and Alberta. but after a short while, she decided to go home.
2: I kept asking my sister if maybe we should just go to my place,
3: but she insisted on staying, but she didn't want to she didn't want to go anywhere. Kathy said she'd been dating Ken on and off for about 5 years before Alberta disappeared. They lived together in an apartment in Prince Rupert. Was Ken working as a taxi driver at that time? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember when his shifts were?
2: I believe it's probably afternoon. if you would start late afternoon and then you would come home somewhere around maybe 2 or maybe around 4.
3: Back then, what kind of vehicle did you and Ken have?
2: We had a black
3: Toyota. That was a truck? Yes. Kathy seemed stunned when we asked her whether she had heard of Amanda, Yvonne and Ed seeing Alberta and Terrace with Jack and her ex-boyfriend Ken. What do you, what do you think? She said she had never heard that before. Um,
2: I don't know what to think. He had access to my truck, you know, and I, I don't know whether he uh, booked off early that night or something like that at work. He Never mentioned anything to me.
3: But he did have access to your truck. He could have he could have borrowed it or used it.
2: Yeah, without even asking or anything. He had the keys and
3: I had the keys. Kathy said she didn't remember anything unusual about Ken or the truck in the days after Alberta vanished. She was too preoccupied and worried about her little sister.
2: You know, nothing's really standing out. Not that I can think of now. I was surprised in some ways about how my ex's name is coming into this. You know, I don't even know what to think about that.
3: After we talked to Kathy and Prince Rupert, we headed straight to Ken's house. Hi. Oh, hi. Hi. Is Ken here? Who's calling? My name's Connie Walker. I'm not from here. I'm a reporter with CBC. I'm doing a story and I'm trying to talk to people in Prince Rupert who may have known Alberta Williams uh I is that disgusting or do you want no, to
1: no it's kathy's sister okay yeah, oh
3: time. hi hi ken i'm um, connie walker nice to meet you um, my, okay. this is my producer marnie I was
1: surprised there was a knock at the door and i didn't recognize you when i was on the other side <laughs> <so I> <laughs> explained to her what was going on
3: do you want to have a smoke outside yeah okay
1: sure please
3: yeah did you know i guess you obviously you know alberta
1: i was living with his sister at the time yeah so that was uh, quite a while ago but and you're doing a story?
3: Yeah, we're doing a story about, about Alberta. Yep. We're just trying to Ken looks to be, to be, be in be his be 60s. He wasn't that much taller than me, and his hair was white and very short around his ears, but mostly bald on top. He wore a black t-shirt that said, Real good, since 1927, in big white letters on the front. Ken leaned against a porch railing while we talked and smoked a cigarette. So do you remember the, the night Alberta went missing?
1: Vaguely. All I know is that they went out drinking that night with their uncle and never seen any of them after that, so.
3: Did you drive anyone from Bogie's that night to and from Jack's house? No, no.
1: Lots of other places, but not to where Jack was living at the time.
3: And how would you describe your relationship with Jack?
1: Close, but distant. We were close, but not really close enough to really sit down and have coffee or anything. Just said hi and quick, short conversations. That was it.
3: Sometimes have a few drinks, though.
1: Rarely, rarely. Uh, in
3: case you're wondering about the uneven sound of Ken's interview, the recording quality wasn't great. So, what you're hearing is our best efforts to make it audible. What kind of
1: vehicle were you driving it at was, the time? Uh, personal vehicle or for the cab? Personal vehicle. Toyota what,
3: what color was it? Black.
1: It was an 88 Toyota Polo Drive.
3: And did you ever give Jack rides outside of the cab? Like in no, your truck? No, no. And the truck that you guys had was a f- Toyota four x four. Did it have an extended cab like that, or like the seats in the back?
1: Yeah, it had a small. It was a small one. It wasn't a full size. Like okay. the ones that they have now with the four doors. Okay. It was just a two door, and it had a small seat in the back.
3: Oh, so you have to like push then, the seat.
1: The seat down in order for anybody to get back into the truck, uh, mm-hmm. truck. Oh, pardon me. No, it wasn't. It was a single cab. Single cab, like just the two doors, the bench seat. That was it. Yeah, I just remembered now. It was a, just like a regular pickup. It didn't have the extension like this full-size truck here. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was. At, we had it at the time, but we put it You're on.
3: probably wondering why I'm so interested in whether or not there was a seat in the back of Ken and Kathy's truck. It's because Amanda said that when she helped Alberta back into the truck, yeah, I just Alberta sat on a little seat in the back, and that her black leather jacket was right next to her.
1: It was just a regular Toyota Pro-wheel drive black we had a canopy everything
3: yeah oh so you had more than one black truck
1: no just oh. one, one truck
3: oh but it oh so we, you didn't have a truck that had a seat in the back before oh we, oh interesting because you just said you did i,
1: I don't <laughs> know i was thinking because like we didn't have the truck very long ahead. we had the truck in 1988.
3: so just to be clear ken initially said there was a small back seat in the truck he owned with kathy but then a few seconds later, he said no. There actually wasn't a back seat after all. Did Jack ever ask to borrow your truck?
1: No, if he, not not me personally. And Kathy knew uh, at the time that was pretty strong against letting me get out because it was in the vehicle.
3: And did you ever give Jack a ride anywhere? Not that day. In the next day?
1: I don't know. It was all a blur now because that was quite a while ago. I've given two statements to the police over the years. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Shortly after it happened, and there was one just a few years back. Uh-huh. They made an inquiry and called me up.
3: What did they want to know?
1: Do you have if I remembered anything from what happened at or shortly afterwards?
3: Yeah.
1: So, they wanted to do a DNA test and I said no. How come? Well, because of all the things that have been going on on the highway, that they were trying to look for people. But
3: In case you missed that, Ken said that police wanted to do a DNA test when they came to interview him a few years ago, but he said no. You didn't want to give your DNA.
1: Well, I had nothing to hide, and that's what I told. Them. But unless there was a summons or something, then I didn't want to. I already gave a statement at the RCMP. It was uh, shortly after uh, they found her sister Alberta.
3: What did they ask you?
1: Where I was, what I was doing at the, at the time, and I had confirmation that I was working that night with skiing a Taxi. So, and I worked the full night that night.
3: Did they ask you at all about the Saturday? No.
1: <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. All I know is that I went to work that Friday night, went home, went right back to work the next night again. And they've got that in my statement as well. But they
3: didn't necessarily check your employment records for the Saturday, because they didn't even ask you about Saturday, right?
1: I can't remember, but I did work both nights. And at the time they would have had records up uh, through the company that I worked with.
3: So the next day we heard that Jack and Alberta and you were in Terrace. No,
1: no, 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 no. no. I was, I hadn't seen him since the night before. I worked, you know, 12, 14 hour days driving. They, I was in Terrace the next day.
3: A couple of people said that they saw the black truck that, that you and Kathy had, mm-hmm. and that you were in the vehicle with Jack in Alberta.
1: No. No. I had no, I had no ties with him after that night that i seen him go downtown.
3: You didn't give him a ride or drop no, him off somewhere? No, no,
1: I had never seen him after mm. until it wasn't until sometime later that they found Alberta out in the highway by Tai. Yeah,
3: because we talked to two people actually who said that they remember you because they remember that you were going out with Kathy, yeah. and you and Jack and Alberta on the Saturday, and that Alberta was really drunk; she was drinking whiskey.
1: No, no I've given my statement already. to to the police that I'm
3: uh, Ken said that both times he was interviewed by police, they only ever asked him about the Friday night, not the Saturday. Were you there with Jack in Alberta?
1: No. No. I will not even give a sworn statement that I wasn't with them.
3: The so police asked you to take a, a lie detector test?
1: Yeah, they asked me and I did. And they asked me for DNA and I didn't, I didn't give it. Why not? Over the last couple years, for my chauffeur's permit, I would need a fingerprint then they do a Canada criminal check.
3: That was hard to make out but what Ken said is that in order to legally drive a taxi in BC, years. he needs a chauffeur's I permit that requires his fingerprints and a cross Canada criminal record check.
1: And nothing ever has come back on that and I've done it twice.
3: Why wouldn't you want to give them your DNA?
1: I just didn't feel that it was necessary because of my print.
3: But they were they were questioning you about Alberta's murder, right?
1: Oh, this, it was the second time that they asked me about my statement, that they asked me about his DNA, but they didn't when I first gave my statement. It was
3: it the second time they asked you for your DNA? Yeah. So Ken was first questioned by police after Alberta's body was found. The second time he was questioned was just a few years ago, and Ken says that's when police asked him for his DNA. Yeah. And why didn't you want
1: to give it to them? I just, as I mentioned, I didn't feel it was necessary with my fingerprints. It
3: could have potentially absolved you from any suspicion. There's
1: been nothing ever brought up ever since and then, that was a few years ago that I did the second statement. They've never contacted me since. But
3: while we were talking, Ken changed his mind and said he would give his DNA if police asked him for it again.
1: Yeah, I'd have no problem with it. It needs closure, not just for myself, but for the family.
3: Anything else you want to tell us?
1: All I know is I'm tired. I don't want
3: Okay, so thanks, Ken.
1: Thank you. As I mentioned, you brother, my cousin.
3: Right before we left, Ken suggested we contact Alberta's cousin, Carol Russell.
1: You know, I had to bring her name up now, but she was in L.C. and everything.
3: Ken walked back into his house. Marnie had been standing with me on the porch. And when Ken left, we started heading back toward the van. But as we were leaving, Marnie did something that shocked us both. Did you just steal a cigarette butt? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It wasn't planned, it wasn't premeditated, and we had no idea what we were going to do with it. But when we got back into the van, we had one of Ken's discarded cigarette butts in Marnie's purse. We took Ken's advice and stopped in to see if Alberta's cousin, Carol Russell, was home. She was at the bar with Alberta on that Friday night, and Doug said that he also saw Carol at Jack's party. We'd been trying to reach her for weeks, but she hadn't responded to any of our messages. When we knocked on her apartment door, I thought that I heard someone inside, but no one answered. We slipped a card with our number under the door and left. We got on the ferry to leave Prince Rupert just as the sun was setting. Barney wanted to film some of my on-camera segments for the TV news story we had set out to do. RCMP believed that Alberta was last seen on Friday, August 25th, 1989. But we received information that that brought us here to Prince Rupert. There to Prince Rupert. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. But honestly, I couldn't even think of what to say. I was glad we had come to Prince Rupert. But after our interview with Ken, I felt conflicted. He was emphatic in his denial that he was with Jack and Alberta that night, or that he drove them to Terrace in his truck. But Amanda and Ed said it was him. What if RCMP had investigated this theory back in 1989? Would things be any different, or would we be in the same spot? Where would our investigation go from here? We had Ken's cigarette butt, but realistically, what could we do with it? Even if we were able to get DNA from it, was there any DNA in Alberta's police file to compare it to? How would we even find that out? And even if there was a DNA match, what would that prove? Would it show anything more than the fact that Ken and Alberta had been together at some point before her death? I felt like we might be on shaky ground. Was it wrong to take Ken's cigarette butt? Was it wrong to bring up these painful memories for Alberta's family and friends, especially when we were unsure if we could actually uncover any truths about her murder? Is bringing attention to a story or an issue reason enough to put people through this? We flew back to Toronto without answers to those questions. And truthfully, I'm still asking some of them today. But we resolved to continue on. There were still more people that we hadn't talked to. And still more theories that we had not yet uncovered. In the days after we returned, it became clear our investigation was not over. On the next Missing and Murdered, Who Killed Alberta Williams? We take a step back and a closer look at police notebooks.
2: She didn't tell me who she was. And all she said was, if you're looking around town for her, you'll never find her here. Because I knew that's where they dumped her.
3: Who do you think it was? I couldn't tell. I
2: never heard that voice before on the phone.
3: And who else got in the van with Alberta and this guy? Nobody.
0: Just her and him and the driver.
3: And what did the driver look like?
0: He had long, scraggly hair. He had bugged-out eyes. He scared me. I didn't like the way he looked. I was afraid these men were going to come after me because they might have recognized me, that driver.
3: You saw Alberta with three guys, after the bar, in a truck?
1: Yes. I know for a fact that it was Alberta. I know for a fact that it was a black truck. and She was in there with three three guys. That's all I can say for a fact.
3: Did police miss a crucial piece of evidence in Alberta's murder?
6: Yeah, I got hit. There was no clothing on the body from the shoulders down. Because we, we went searching for all the remainder of the clothing and we never did find it. Clothing yeah. was
3: found and yeah, it was a jumpsuit, a blue sweater, a slipper type shoe, a sock, a shoelace oh, really? and two pillow covers.
6: How weird it. Eh? Yeah. No, I don't remember that.
3: And it was and it was it was placed into a exhibit bag. And just a heads up, you're going to have to wait a bit longer than usual to find out what happens next. Since the podcast began, people have come forward with new information that we need to look into. So sit tight. Episode 7 will be released in two weeks on December 13th. For more episodes, visit our website at cbc.ca slash williams You can also download the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Missing and Murdered, Who Killed Alberta Williams is written and hosted by me, Connie Walker. The producer is Marnie Luke and the associate producer is Laurie Ward. Technical production by Ashley Walters and Harold Dupuis. And Heather Evans is the senior producer of the CBC News investigative unit.
1: For more CBC Original Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash originalpodcasts.